0: Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Now the 0-2 pitch.
1: Swing and a miss. It's an immaculate inning for Kane Povich. Nine pitches, nine strikes, three strikeouts. Wow, what a start by Povich here in Lincoln today.
0: Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up. And put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Tim Curran and Austin Orman.
2: That's right. Uh, myself as well as Austin Orman have hijacked the show tonight. Taken over. So you're no, not going to hear the uh, the dulcet tones of of uh, Greg Sharp or Ben McLaughlin tonight. Uh, you're going to be hearing me. And Austin, uh, as Ben and Greg, though, they, they deserve the rest after calling the one nothing shutout to victory uh of nebraska's win over michigan earlier today we're gonna hear from ben though next segment as he's gonna give us his kind of thoughts on uh, what he saw today as well as uh what's to look forward to as far as regionals goes for husker baseball a lot of exciting things with this with this husker baseball program as they have already wrapped up the big 10 conference title but uh not necessarily a meaningless series that they have against Michigan. I mean, it's still a nice crowd. Over 5,000 fans, I believe, were in attendance at Haymarket Park and and watched Cade Povich uh, deliver an immaculate inning uh, just to start the game off. So you knew it was something special right at the start. Um, But uh, yeah, I I think the Husker baseball team has a lot to look forward to, obviously, with regionals coming up. Um, Wish they had a little bit better weather today, Austin. Um, It's a little too chilly. For my taste, uh, I did not bravely venture out to Haymarket <laughs> Park. I, I stayed holed up in my apartment. It was too windy, too cloudy. Maybe I'm just soft, but uh, I, I wasn't feeling the weather today. It's a little bit, a uh, little bit chilly here in the uh, in the capital city.
3: Well, that's why we have Greg and Ben, intrepid warriors that they are, being big team players. You know, calling a one nothing win, gutting through it. I heard rumor Ben ended up uh, wearing pants. He said he was going to try to tough it out with the shorts. So, you know, if Ben's going with the pants, that's how you know it's. Not a great weather day, but a great day on the field for Nebraska. That 1 0 victory to start the series. You know, wrapping up the conference title last weekend, you can ask yourself, well, what is there for this team to play for? And you look at how Will Bolton, these guys, are approaching at Cade Povich today. Obviously, there's plenty left to play for. Yeah, they have their regional spot locked up, but they're playing for seeding. All the projections had them going to Fayetteville to play the number one overall seed more than likely. Arkansas that's not a draw you want you want to avoid them as long as you can I think and then you know Nebraska clinches the conference title and okay they're moved to the Lubbock Regional to take on Texas Tech who's scuffling a little bit in their conference tournament that looks better and then just recently okay now you're headed out to Gonzaga you'll play in Spokane against the number 15 national seed you know you drop from the one overall seed to the number 15 overall seed that is a much better draw at least you would think for Nebraska to get a slightly easier path to a super regional so still plenty left to play for you know you, you win one game here today that's a great start still two more on the table you've won nine games in a row now so it might be a lot to ask to get all the way up to 11. But hey, I mean, you win this series. You win 10 of your last 11 games. You're feeling good heading into regionals. And not only are you feeling good about how you're playing, but you're probably feeling pretty good about your draw that'll come out on Monday.
2: Yeah, I I agree with all of what you said. And and yeah, the the one question I'm going to ask Ben as well, and I'll I'll ask you, is to me, it's hard for me to, to, to figure out what has been the most impressive aspect of this Husker baseball team. Obviously, it was the pitching today. But at times, the offense has really been uh, roaring. I mean, Max Anderson, especially at the beginning of the year, had just an incredible performances at the plate, ripping the cover off the ball. Bryce Matthews has really picked things up. So has Griffin Everett. I mean, a lot of the young guys, um, the way they've kind of taken things in stride, uh, especially offensively, has been impressive. Spencer Schwellenbach on the bump to close things out has been impressive all year. Um, winning all the series that they have, uh, with the exception of that that Rutgers series, obviously, um, it's been kind of an incredible watch. And even on the base path too, uh, mm-hmm. they've been aggressive and, and 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 really played a complete performance. So I guess uh, not to put you too much on the spot here, Austin, but when you look at this Big Ten title-winning team, what aspect to you has been the most impressive? Because for me, it's it's hard to decide to just one. I it's it's all around. It's been impressive, but. A lot of it has been great.
3: Right. I think that's the most impressive part is that there isn't really a true huge point to this weakness. This is where you can get Nebraska thing. You know, you put the ball in play, defense has been really solid. I know Nebraska just won a one nothing game today, but it's a surprise when the offense doesn't come through. That's been really solid. The starting pitching has been pretty solid all year long. Kate Povich has dealt all year. Chance Roach has been pretty solid. Chase Shannon a little more up and down. But you know, he's turned in a number of good starts. And the bullpen's been pretty darn solid as well. Spencer Schwellenbach on the back end, Jake Buns has become a go-to piece. Plenty of other guys that Will Bolt and Jeff Christie can mix and match. But if I had to point to one thing, it's the offense. Right now you've got three players hitting over three hundred. Spencer Schwellenbach just four points under. Joe Acker's really set the table all year for this team. Bryce Matthews coming on. And a guy like Cam Chick has been in a slide, but he's a guy you know can get hot and then Absolute hurry. The offense has been probably the most consistent part all year long, at least in my eyes. They've scored double digit runs a number of times, which is always awesome to see. And it just, like I said, it, you're surprised when the offense doesn't come through. They've had moments where they struggle, as every baseball team does. But to stay after good pitching, even if they're not scoring runs, they're having Pretty competitive at bats all year long. I've been extremely impressed with the approaches at the plate. You look at a guy like Luke Roskam is single today with two strikes, shot through the left side. His approach has been awesome to see. Max Anderson, like you said, ripping the cover off the baseball all year long. Jackson Hallmark, Joe Acker at the top of the lineup have been great. Bryce Matthews hasn't been trying to do too much from his spot at the bottom of the order, but he's come through in big situations. It's not one or two or three guys carrying the offense. You never know where it's going to come from on a given day. And the balance and the consistency of the offense, I think, is a huge part of what has led Nebraska to 30 wins with two remaining.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, If you have any thoughts on what you saw today from the Husker baseball teams, be free to give us a text here on our U.S. Cellular text line at 531-500-4686. Brought to you by U.S. Cellular. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the huskers u.s cellular connecting husker nation also can give us a call there as well at that same number again that's 531-500-4686 well as i mentioned we will be talking with ben mclaughlin uh, about the husker baseball team and the win today so plenty uh, of that more to come also in the seven o'clock hour when i have your replay of the bill moose hour there's always a great time to listen to the athletic director is always a good uh, a good listen so we'll have that in the seven o'clock central hour. Then, an hour three, we're gonna have our weekend preview as well as our weekend review and our winners and losers. So definitely stick around for all of that. But Austin, uh, something else that's been on my mind, and this was talked about plenty on the show last night, but I, I had to get my two cents in <laughs> just because I I was stunned when I saw it. But the you know, needless to say, Oklahoma. Their statement they put out concerning the, the television time window for Nebraska and Oklahoma, the game that's going to be on, on Big Fox, Big Noon Saturday, or whatever they're calling a Big Noon kickoff. Um, it, it was incredible, incredible in a good way and also an embarrassing way that a university <laughs> would put out a statement about a television time window. Um, I mean, look... You can cry all you want till the cows come home about 11 a.m. kickoffs. I mean, Lord knows Nebraska knows what 11 a.m. kickoffs are like. Uh, Nebraska's had – I haven't kept count, but virtually every single kickoff, save for only one or two uh, each year, has been an 11 a.m. kickoff. And so Oklahoma wanting to take their ball and go home or just lash out and throw a temper tantrum over a TV time (laughs) in an an official statement, by the way. (laughs) This isn't just like a – you can imagine an AD – or the coaching staff, or players, or whomever, um, getting worked up over an 11 a.m. kick—you yeah, can understand that. But it, the idea that they're going to release an official statement over it, it is is incredible to me. But but more than that, because we we that, that much is obvious. I think anyone can can connect those dots. Can can laugh at at a statement like that. But I think more to the point, a few days before that, a few days before Oklahoma sent that statement out there was uh might have seen this austin um that espn fox had declined early television negotiations with the big 12 conference um th- there there's some rumblings about what might happen with the conclusion when that when that deals up in a few years i've got my own conspiracy theory that we may or may not get into um if i'm feeling brave enough um what a rip. But come on the landscape the landscape is clearly changing and you get a sense that the tv providers are not happy uh with the current state of things neither are the universities at least not oklahoma um and i wanted to get your sense austin of, of what you might think will play out uh, the next three four years in terms of tv rights what, what, what is the future going to look like with people cutting cords um you know and, and and things turning to streaming i mean this this has a potential to completely upend the way we consume sports and you know ESPN and Fox and all the other TV providers not wanting to shell out to these conferences uh the 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 rights money uh to me has piqued my interest but the only thing I'm uncertain is is just what kind of impact that might have on college football I I have an idea but I I wanted to get your thoughts first of of what you made of of all this
3: well i don't think it's that they don't want to shell out i i would disagree with that because the sec is leaving cbs to go to espn that's going to be their new partner and the whole contract that sec signed with espn is going to be worth three billion with a b dollars that's 300 million dollars a year and right now they're getting 55 million dollars a year from cbs so there's money to be made you know paying for these rights you're going to get eyeballs so the worldwide leader at least is willing to shell out and I think that you know Fox seeing that the SEC is going away from CBS to ESPN is going to see you know what can it do with its Big Ten product is the Pac-12 going to make any moves what does the landscape now look like in a couple years there's still a couple years of this contract you know left with the Big 12 and Fox it'll expire after 2023 and part of the reason I'm also confused by that Oklahoma statement tying this together is because it's been a, you know, they're four years into their six year deal right now. And Oklahoma has had a number of big primetime games on Fox's 11 o'clock slate Red River rivalry with Texas has been an 11 o'clock game. Bedlam with Oklahoma state has been an 11 o'clock game more often than not. So it's not like Oklahoma is any stranger to this and they they know it's Fox's big primetime game. It's their, tv partner fox has a deal with the big 10 as well so if both leagues have this deal with this television company it only makes sense that they would want this to be their feature game at the time they've chosen to be their feature time maybe oklahoma doesn't like that maybe this you know grumbling by oklahoma helped precipitate some of the discussion to you know hold off well if our Biggest brand in this league isn't happy. Second biggest brand behind Texas, I don't know. If they're not happy, maybe we need to you know, rethink this. What do we want to put our emphasis on? You can't say the Big 12 is not a, a valuable property with you know, Texas and Oklahoma in that league. You're going to get eyeballs. Oklahoma State's pretty good as well and all the eyeballs with all those texas schools so the big 12 is a product that someone is going to pay for maybe fox doesn't think it's getting enough you know out of it maybe it wants to focus more on the pac-12 of course they have a new commissioner and all the california schools the arizona schools in there as well so i it's not someone's going to shell out for it i don't know if it'll be a three billion dollar contract of course but someone is going to be willing to pay for it whether it's you know, on a platform like YouTube TV or Hulu that's more streaming based, but of course maybe they TikTok, carry all the baby TikTok, in, right. right? Amazon Prime, right? You know, right. Consumers Zoomers Live. are taking
2: over. Um, I hope you're all prepared for that, by the way. Um, the future of television is, yeah, it's going to be everyone's going to watch. You know, football on their phone, and it's going to be on like a Twitch stream with someone, you know, yapping over it, um, you know, with a gaming headset on. Um, yeah, it, it, the future is dark, is what I'm trying to say.
3: I, I wouldn't go that far. I don't think it's dark. I think it, it's changing. I know you're an old soul, so I can understand yeah. why, you know, you might. They shouldn't be a even televise
2: games. A tempted, I mean, not to but... lobby too hard for radio, but I mean, come on. <laughs> Maybe they should only have like six or seven games on a year and it has to be shown in black and white (laughs) um and the rest are going to be on on the radio i mean that's 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 what i wanted a return to tradition is that too much to ask for
3: uh probably at this point i think we're a little bit too far gone for that to be a thing but by the way obviously the proper way to consume a game is to buy your ticket go to memorial stadium and turn on the radio that's obviously the right way to do things yeah but, your walkman you know, like
2: uh, your steve bartman or something you know <laughs> well I, here's my end game because I, I know we're, we we got to take a break here soon but I, I wanted to get in my my here's where this is all headed and austin um i'm not sure how you feel about this idea but i think you're gonna see some type of conference realignment in a handful of years um the reason being is that branding is absolutely everything anymore I mean, it always has been, but but now I think that a school like Oklahoma, they want to throw their weight around. You know, they, they have, um, you know, and it, it might not be that we're looking at like super conferences where you're going to have 30 teams in a, in a conference or maybe you always have that that European Super League model where you, you break off and, and try and form your own um, venture outside of the NCAA even I mean that 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 <laughs> probably isn't likely but uh, your my mind kind of jumps to there but I, I think that yeah there, there are a handful of programs and probably about a dozen or so that would want to forge forward and do their own thing rather than have to deal with these conferences um, and you saw that especially last year the power that conferences can lord over these institutions if Nebraska and Ohio State want to play football but the Big Ten doesn't want to play football well that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> it's, kind of, right. it's kind of a rock and a hard place. And so I think we're going to start seeing a shift to maybe maybe not even conference realignment, but maybe a conference-less model
3: well, of I, football. Well, I, I don't know if I'd go that far. Conferences, I think, as big a tradition as you know, sport as college football is with its traditions, conferences have been a big part of that. So I don't think conferences are going anywhere. I think You're not taking that lead with me? I, I, I'm not willing to go that far in that vein. I think the whole COVID pandemic trying to limit travel conference only schedules is gonna push some of this, you know, potential realignment back. Obviously it's been talked about since you know the start of last decade when Nebraska and Missouri kinda of got the train rolling, Texas A and M too. But I, I wouldn't be as surprised to see some teams, you know, leave conference, maybe form a new conference around, you know, name image likeness schools that are more forward thinking like in nebraska and oklahoma maybe even in oregon something like that you know that wants to hop on this train of name image likeness take care of their players that's probably going to be easier to do outside of the ncaa governing body so i would be you know more interested to see what a potential nil conference looks like more than a geographically proximate conference setup
2: yeah, no, I think I think I think that's I think you're onto something. Well, if you agree with either myself or Austin, but especially if you agree with me, uh, <laughs> feel free to give us a text at 531-500-4686 or a call as well, and we'll try and slip you on the program next. Though, we are going to be speaking with our very own Ben McLaughlin who was on the call today for Nebraska's one nothing victory over the Michigan Wolverines. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Sports Nightly rolling along here on a Friday night. Tim Curran as well as Austin Orman filling in for the big lofty shoes of Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. But Ben hasn't gone too far as he's joining us now on our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline following Nebraska's one nothing shutout victory over Michigan. Ben, there were a lot of questions and concerns surrounding where is the motivation going to be for the Oscars since they already Locked up the Big Ten title, but uh, didn't look like this Nebraska team was was lacking any motivation today. Yeah, I don't think we expected it to be. I think you know this team is,
4: you know, as Will Bold always says, they just love the chance to to play baseball, and that's what you know they were given an opportunity to do that today against a really really good team, a regional a regional team in Michigan a team that um, Nebraska has some history with. And I think that was enough to get them fired up. The crowd was absolutely phenomenal today at Hawks Field. And a lot of these guys are, are playing their last few games here. So I think there was still plenty for the team
2: to play for, and that showed up today. Yeah, uh, and of course the Wolverines were inexplicably ranked above NU practically the entire year. So I wonder if the uh, the big brain writers have figured out that uh, that might not have been the smartest move. Uh, but Kate Povich obviously really dialed in, as was Jake Buns and Spencer Schwellenbach. Um, has that been the most impressive aspect to you about this team? I mean, everything's been pretty impressive—pitching, batting, base running—even has been solid. When you kind of take the 360-degree view of this team, uh, what aspect of it, Ben, has, has impressed you the most in, in 2021?
4: I I think it's their mentality. I mean, all the stuff that you mentioned is impressive. You know, their ability to hit the ball, and you know, their, their chaos on the bases, and their ability to play defense—best fielding team in the Big Ten—and you know, even the pitching. You know, those spe- specifically the bullpen. You know they've all been exceptional this year, but I think it's just the, this team's mentality. You know they've faced some some forks in the road as every baseball team does in a season, and they you know when, whenever it comes time to you know make a decision and find out which direction your season's going to go, this team always always chooses the right path, and you know they they bounce back. They have that that mentality that can get them out of those holes when they're not playing well. When you get swept at home against Rutgers, the first time you've been swept against a conference opponent. Um, from it, since mem- being members of the Big Ten, that's a decision to make, and and what's happened since then, the Huskers have gone ten and one since that stretch. So, um, while I'm impressed with you know their ability to hit the ball, and you know the the ability to drive it out of the ballpark, or hit gaps, or steal bases, or throw strikes, get punch outs. Field the ball at a high clip, whatever it is. I think that's the thing that impresses me the most, and that's what that's what inevitably inevitably wins you games and helps win you championships. And you know, I think the Huskers, if they continue to have that mentality throughout the rest of the season,
2: they'll be happy with the end result. Talking with Ben McLaughlin, who had a chance to call Nebraska's one nothing shutout over the Wolverines earlier today. Uh, what's kind of been the secret sauce, do you think, with this squad? It is senior weekend, and I wonder if. That's been a difference maker is is the guys who got that extra eligibility from the NCAA when their season got cut short in 2020. Do you think that has anything to do with the success the team saw this year or do you think it's something else entirely? I think that it fits under the umbrella of the leadership and
4: coach Bold has been very vocal about that all year that this team wouldn't be where it's at without the the leaders and the captains of this team. I'm thinking about guys like Joe Acker and Jackson Hallmark and Mojo Haggy and you know guys that have been around the block for a long time and you know know, know what buttons to push with the new players, not just the freshmen but the new players, the junior college transfers and the guys that um, you know have been a part of this thing, haven't been a part of this thing for as long as others have and When you have that type of leadership that kind of feeds into what i was talking about earlier about the mentality you have to have the players that kind of set that tone in the clubhouse and they have that and a lot of these players weren't happy with the way the 2019 season ended and the way that they lost that heartbreaker against oklahoma state in the regional against oklahoma city this team in my opinion was one out of way from potentially winning a regional, and I think I think they would have won the regional. Um, you know, that, that's that could just be um, me me blowing smoke, but I, I truly think if the Huskers beat Oklahoma State that night, they're probably winning that regional. They're in the driver's seat, um, and I don't think they liked the way that that ended. And I think that still fuels them to this day, and you know allows them to compete every time they're at the ballpark and not let uh, an emotional week like this last week raising a trophy uh, affect how they play
2: in games like today. And it certainly didn't. Well, speaking of, of regionals, this is obviously a little bit of a bittersweet moment, I think, for the Husker baseball team, given that they were kind of robbed of an opportunity to host a regional with the NCAA unveiling those 20 host sites a little bit early after Nebraska had just got swept by Rutgers. Um, you know, Was that a mistake in your eyes for the NCAA to kind of pull that move to pick those, those host sites before the, the season was finished, before the Big 10 title had been locked up? What was kind of the, the reasoning behind all that? Well, I understand why they did it, and they did it because, you know, the
4: health and safety protocols at the time, you know, it was only a 50% capacity, and they wanted to make sure everybody that was hosting a regional had the capability of doing so with the state and local governments, with uh, just the accommodations, with TV, with fans. They they needed to make sure that they could could do it safely. Well, then, you know, after they make that determination and they announce the 20 sites, the nca then went and said you know it's it's now a local decision and you can absolutely fill it up to to capacity if, if you you know can do so and your local governments are um you know allowing you to do so that's something that you can do and that 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 decision came a couple of two weeks too late if you're in nebraska if the huskers could find a way to win this series um, there's no doubt that in my opinion if this was a normal situation nebraska would be hosting a regional Unfortunately, that's not the case, and the decisions have been made, um, and the, the, the 16 sites are, are within the 20 that they announced, and we'll find out Monday what those sites are. Now, I, I wouldn't completely close the door based on how the week's unfolded to this point of Nebraska potentially being a one seed um, in, in one of those regionals as a visitor, there are other teams that I think are doing enough to grab a hold of all 16 of those sites, um, and I think there hasn't been as as much chaos as there needs to be for a team like Nebraska to get a one seed. Uh, but if Nebraska keeps playing well, they should set themselves up at a fairly good situation in a regional to not have to face
2: one of the top eight national seeds, which is, of course, what you want to avoid. Well, that's what I was planning on asking you next about Selection Monday. I mean, what should Husker fans anticipate uh, about monday obviously you don't have a crystal ball in front of you i still have it uh i use it for <laughs> buy sell it has varying success that clouded crystal ball coming out again isn't it <laughs> <laughs> this is true this is true but in terms of seeding w- even where they might be headed to i mean do, do is there any indication yet of, of of any of that any any idea uh, that, where Husker fans should be looking at where Nebraska might head or what, what their seed might be. Well, I'm I'm very confident
4: Nebraska is going to miss, and I'm, this is going to be a conservative guess here, at least the top five national seeds. I'm very confident of that. And I think even with the win today, you could probably press that out to the top eight national seeds. Nebraska shouldn't be in any of those regionals. So you're going to avoid Fayetteville. You're going to avoid Nashville. You're going to avoid Austin, Texas. You're going to avoid Oxford, Mississippi. You're going to avoid all, you know, all those death traps down in the SEC um in your first round which is which is big and and you're probably going to find your way potentially into a non-power five uh regional you know that could be an ecu that could be a gonzaga that could be you know any of those conference usa teams that got a host a charlotte earned a host you know that could be any of those situations um that, that are in front of nebraska i I'm a firm believer that Nebraska is going to be a solid two-seed, one of the higher two-seeds. Um, I, I, like I said before, I think there's been enough done by the 20-host site teams where we're going to fill all 16 with ones and not have – you know, a visiting one seed. So I think Nebraska is going to be a two seed and I think they're probably going to get a favorable, you know, regional in terms of who is the one seed. Now there are so, still some really good baseball teams that are going to be three seeds in this thing. So that's not to say that Nebraska's first round matchup is going to be a breeze when they play that two, three matchup to begin a regional. It's going to be probably going to be a pretty tough test. All 64 teams in the field are, are pretty good. They're there for a reason, but um, you know, I think in terms of where Nebraska is going to be seated, I think they've done enough to where they've they've given the given themselves the opportunity to have a
2: pretty favorable draw. OK, Ben, well, now it's time to, to call your shot. Um, I've already asked you to make a couple of predictions, but how about one more uh, in terms of this team staying power? I mean, because to me, it looks like this team is, is, is pretty special. I mean, obviously, they win the Big Ten tournament that doesn't happen every year um, and, and the, the dominant display they had at least on the mound uh, really impressed me but can this team compete with the cream of the crop in the SEC and the Pac-12 what's what's your kind of feel because it's only been in a conference schedule so we don't necessarily know how Nebraska would stack up against that odds but uh, what's your kind of sense of, of where this team would stack up against the best of the of the best
4: well, I think this team can compete with about anybody in the country, to be honest. I think they've got enough, you know, based on what we've seen on the scouting reports, and um, you know, with with Nebraska's opponents, they've seen pitchers that have thrown 99 miles an hour this year. They've seen pitchers with devastating wipeout sliders, you know, with Ben Scooter at Michigan State. We've seen, we've seen as good as stuff as there is in college baseball. I mean, obviously, guys like like Kumar Rocker and, and Jack Leiter and Ty Madden. You know, some of these guys they haven't yet seen, but. Um, it's not like Nebraska hasn't seen anything close to that. I think the guy they saw today, Hadger, is is has as good a stuff from the left side as you're going to see in college baseball. 95 with a, you know, a really good mix of a changeup and a slider. You know, I think. They've seen all there is to see, and so I think at this point you like their ability to go compete against anybody in the country. Now, once you get to postseason, it's a different mentality, and some teams buckle at the knees. I don't think this team will do that. I think they're pretty tough mentally, but you know you never quite know what's going to happen in the postseason. But I like I like this team's ability to compete with about anybody, and you know it being a double elimination tournament, I think will, will definitely help a team like Nebraska too. So um, you know I, th- I I'm, ex- I'm
2: I've got lofty expectations for what I'm going to see next week. Okay, well, thanks, Ben, for stopping by. I and, mean, of course, the pressure's on you to, to finish out this series strong. You, be, you better get that sweep for uh, the Big Red. Oh, there you go, just handing out free sweeps like like it's nothing, Tim. We're going to do our
4: best to show up to tomorrow, play good baseball, and we'll, we'll start with tomorrow before we go to Sunday. <laughs>
2: That's, that sounds a good plan to me. Be. Ben, thanks for, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Have a good show. Keep, keep it on the rails, please.
0: And now, the Husker Athletic Director Show with Bill Moose presented by the Woodhouse Auto Family. Woodhouse Auto Family. Shop Woodhouse first. 18 brands, 18 locations, one team to help you get on the road faster. Woodhouse Auto Family, the official auto dealer of Nebraska Athletics. And now, here's your host, Greg Sharp.
1: Thank you. Welcome to our monthly sit-down with the Nebraska Athletic Director Bill Moose. If you want to be a part of the program tonight, 531-500-4686. That's the number to fire off a call or a text if you want to do that. That's our U.S. Cellular text line. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers, U.S. Sagittarius Connecting Husker Nation. Well, the semester ended, but Husker sports continuing on, Bill. And congratulations. You have a championship baseball team that you oversee.
5: Well... Uh Uh, that that's uh, a source of pride for all of us and and uh, what a what a great story I mean the 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 entire story the uh, weekend story the Will Bolt story the um, the Big Ten playing a a, a non-traditional conference only schedule I mean uh, Greg we had so many distractions in all of our sports programs and baseball uh, right in there with the rest of them and Will and his people figured it out and a great resolve by a, a, a great bunch of young guys and here we are Big Ten champions uh, with uh, with uh, one series left to go here at home I, I'm so proud of them uh, uh, and we all should be that that isn't an easy feat and and we did it and. And uh, there will be more, I'm going to tell you. I like the direction we're going in baseball.
1: Well, it's, it's really remarkable. It's the first year for this staff to go through the league. They, they started a year ago but only got 15 games into the season when the pandemic hit and it shut it down. So the first time through the league and they win the thing, uh, it, it is a great story. And just kudos to whoever hired Will Bull. That, that's, the, that's the cherry <laughs> on top is whoever did that.
5: I think he needs a raise. Hey, what do you know? <laughs> uh, no, I, I tell ya, um, uh, you, you look again, and, and you're right on top of it, uh, calling the the balls and strikes. It's, um, uh, it, it's um, a, a, a even more special because it, it, even though it was a condensed season, it was a longer Big Ten season, having played everybody, and uh, there's this is a tough, tough conference in every sport. Baseball is no exception. So, um, hey, we we, uh, we have great momentum there. And as we as we talk this evening, Greg, and, and you look at, at what we accomplished in this um, in this year. That uh, again, uh, we hope we never have one that's anything like it. Is pretty impressive when you put it all together. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about that as we go through the program.
1: Three more home games left, and I know you'd love to see some big crowds out there. I, I told the, the couple of the coaches after the game, I said, this is fantastic. The only thing that I really wish we could have done this at Haymarket Park in front of our fans, but you, you, don't, you don't pick and choose when you can win a title. You do it when you can do it, and they got it wrapped up in Bloomington on Sunday. But uh, my guess is, Bill, there will be a few folks coming through the gates this weekend to watch this team and salute this team for what they did.
5: Hail the conquering heroes. Uh, we should Damn. pack that place. Uh, we're going to open the floodgates. Um, I want the photographers there. This is a celebration. I know we got to take care of business. And you and I have both seen... Uh, instances where a championship's been wrapped up and uh, kind of go to sleep. I don't think this group will do that. And this is a fine Michigan uh, ball club. Uh, they're going to come in here and and they've got some things to prove. we got to protect our home uh, baseball field and and get after it but uh, looks like the weather's going to hold out nice and and uh, let's have a huge crowd hopefully all three days and uh, really celebrate this young baseball team and what they've accomplished this year
1: fantastic bill's with us for the hour tonight 531 546 in fact let's get to the phones richard and lincoln you are up first tonight with bill moose good evening Richard, are you there? Well, maybe Richard got gun shy on us, so we'll try to get Richard back. We'll try to get back to Richard. Maybe he uh, walked away from his phone. You said we we have a lot to talk about tonight, Bill. A lot has happened in the last three or four weeks since we last had you on. And next on my list is that a big announcement that you made a week or so ago that Ireland is back in play. The Huskers are going to go over there to open the 2022 season. This was something I don't think you ever gave up on, did you? This is something you wanted to get done
5: well i really did and for a little bit different reasons in some respects uh, for the upcoming one in 22 as to the 21 uh, that we had scheduled against illinois but um, i just think that this is a wonderful experience for our student athletes and and also for our fans and uh, as we've talked about before when we first having these conversations on on uh, the early game in ireland uh, these people want nebraska they want us because uh, of our, our great following and the how well we travel it doesn't matter if if we're going to northwestern or iowa or dublin ireland our people are going <laughs> to be there and uh, this is really working out well the, because uh, those who had made their reservations and their travel plans can just roll those over uh, for the 22 game against Northwestern and again in week zero and so um, the to, to fill in some blanks here uh, this should be a, a, a real good matchup um, But I want I want our fans and our listeners tonight to understand a, a lot of the, of the strategy here uh, as I mentioned it's a, a great uh, um, opportunity for our student-athletes for our fans But as it plays out, we have not had good success in Evanston uh, since Scott has been here. We've lost twice up there. All of a sudden, we take that uh, Northwestern home game and we actually make that a Nebraska home game because uh, I just know we will outnumber their fans over there and that stadium will be red. And that plays in our favor. Uh, Secondly, it gives us a bye, Greg. Uh, late in the season before we play Michigan. And we already have a built-in buy from the original schedule before we go on the road to play at Wisconsin. So two tough road games late in the season when, as you know, you can be chipped up, tired, um, and and really drawing on the depth of your roster gives us a chance to catch our breath. Uh, and hopefully we're going to be in, in the running for that uh, Big Ten West title and and this really plays in well in that regard too so everything lays out really nicely and uh, gives us an opportunity to get some momentum early in the season we've got a tough tough schedule uh, this next year and we'll and we have a tough one in 22 but uh, this gives us a chance i really think to uh, uh, strategically uh, be ready to play some big games with a few more days to prepare Fans can go visit
1: the website collegefootballireland.com to get information about travel, packages, tickets, and all the details. Again, collegefootballireland.com. Let's try Richard in Lincoln again. Richard, good evening. You're on with Bill Moose.
5: Hello? Yes, sir. Hello, Richard. Yes. I have a question for the athletic director. Um, What plans
6: are being made to send a portion or all of the University of Nebraska Cornhusker marching band to the game in Ireland?
5: Well, we uh, are contracted to have uh, the band there. How many... Uh, is still up in the air it's going to be a while before that's probably decided, but ideally we'd have our entire marching band, which is uh the pride of Nebraska and very impressive i i'm a I'm a big fan of our marching band and our spirit groups and all of that so uh, we will have a presence and uh how many and how long uh, they'll get to stay still way too early and and the costs are not uh, anywheres near. Uh, ready for us to evaluate all of that, but we will have a presence with our marching band Richard That take care of you Richard
1: Okay Thanks, sir. Appreciate the phone call speaking of the, the band and the cheerleaders and the the dance squads It was so great to see them bill at the spring game on May the first And I know it wasn't the full band that was there But just to have a representative of that and kind of bring some of the sights and sounds of college football. Um, Scott Frost, I think, said it best after the game. He said he needed he needed that day to see all those people again, and all of those people, I think, needed that day as well. What were your thoughts about the way the spring game got pulled together?
5: Well, it it uh, it was heartwarming as I drove in uh, through the hay market and such to see it crowded people in red and smiling and uh on into the parking lots where uh it looked like days of old and and uh it was it was very special and um, i actually choked up a little bit because uh these fans of ours are are uh, they are uh, unequaled in in college athletics and more specifically in college football and Uh, they hung with us. They know that we fought to try to get them in Memorial Stadium. Uh, That didn't work. Uh, We continued to fight, fight, and now it looks like we're going to be able to have 100% capacity this fall, and I have every reason to believe that the sellout streak will continue. Uh, We're tracking right now, and we're having very, very uh, good numbers in regards to season ticket renewals. But as we got into the venue itself and to to see the spirit squad to see herbie to hear the band and see people enjoying and clapping and um, getting back to what we're used to um, it it was very very rewarding and satisfying and really uh, gives us a little skip to our step as we go into the summer and be back in fall camp before we know it very good.
1: Uh, buckle up and put that phone down. That's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. You alluded to uh, season ticket holders have been uh, they've uh, been approached. They, uh, the renewal process is underway. Uh, what about if somebody wants to get on a waiting list? Are you to that point yet where you want to get some people on a
5: on a backup list in case you have some openings for football tickets in the fall? Yeah, we're fast approaching that, Craig, and, and uh, we're up, we're up into the 90% uh, renewals. So uh, those who uh, want to get on that list and such uh, should be doing it right away, because, uh, like I said a moment ago, we have every uh, intention of selling Memorial Stadium out again, and uh, uh, and keep that sellout streak active and and uh, our fans need to be on top of this get their renewals done and those who may not have been fortunate enough to have a chance to uh, enjoy Husker football uh, because of of, uh, the inability to get a season ticket need to get on that list right away very good again huskers.com slash tickets if you have some
1: thoughts interest in Husker football tickets that's where you need to go and Uh, If you are a season ticket holder, get your information filled out and get it back to the athletic department. Your state.
0: Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly.
1: One ball, two strikes. Here's the pitch. Strike three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. They won the title for the second time in five years. This team dogpiling in front of the mound, and they deserve this. What a season. What a job put together by Will Bold and this coaching staff. Your Nebraska Cornhuskers are the 2021 Big Ten champions.
0: Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Tim Curran and Austin Orman.
2: Welcome back. Sports Nightly Hour 3 on a Friday night, joined by Austin Orman, myself, Tim Curran here as we close down the week. And a pretty good week, uh, I would say, especially for Husker baseball, as we've been mentioned throughout the night. They took down the Michigan Wolverines by a final score of 1 to nothing, a shutout victory for nebraska baseball a good win and not a meaningless series but certainly a series that, that's not make or break but a, but a nice win nonetheless and a good win for those seniors as well well coming up later this hour we'll have our weekend review as well as our winners and losers also hope you enjoyed the replay of the moose hour we had in the the second hour of the show but uh, coming up right now is our weekend preview
0: It's time for the Weekend Preview, the part of the show where we tell you everything you have to watch this weekend.
2: Come in, watch. It'll be a good
7: one.
0: Sometimes we give you good advice.
2: I could watch that all day.
0: But we're not perfect. There were times I'm like, this is so dumb. Why am I watching this? It's the Weekend Preview
3: with Austin Orman. Well, that's for baseball, been the topic of most of the show. Still two games left this weekend. Two more noon starts at Haymarket Park, closing out the regular season. And Tim, right there, you just say, no, not a meaningless series. Far from it. I mean, still plenty to play for for the Big Red in terms of seeding. You know, it looks like Nebraska is probably a two, but, you know, they keep playing well if they've happened to sweep Michigan, even if they just, you know, split these last two, take two out of three. That could help a whole lot in getting him a much better first-round regional draw and a better chance to potentially make it to a super regional.
2: Absolutely, I mean, and and this really—if you just take the three hundred sixty-degree view of this team this season—it's it, been an incredible watch. I mean, I, I'm—I was trying to ask Ben what he thought the secret sauce was with the team. Was it the the seniors getting an extra year of eligibility? Um, uh, but I think Ben kind of nailed it when he talked about the leadership of Will Bolt. I mean, it's been incredible. I mean, just mowing through these Big Ten teams with that conference-only schedule. Uh, and, and this is really his first full year in charge of the Big Red, because last year you didn't have much of a season after it got cut short uh, due to the, the pandemic. And so the, the idea that B- Will Bolt was going to waltz in and not even pick to be in the top six then win the Big Ten uh, outright – and now you're, you're, you're beating the team, Michigan, that was ranked above Nebraska the entire year almost inexplicably. Uh, the, the writers just assuming that, that this was the same team uh, that, that made the, the World Series in 2019 uh, doesn't look to be the case, although there's still still a couple more games left. But, uh, you know, Nebraska, I think it's a good sign, Austin, that they, they showed up today ready to play, that the, the pitching performances from Povich, from Schwellenbach, from Buns were fantastic. And we'll see what happens on Saturday and Sunday. But this is a team that clearly came ready to play. They did not pull a Phil Mickelson and say, oh, you know, I already won the PGA, so I don't have to, you know, they, they, they have that mentality. They're dialed in. And, and that's great to see. And so I'm, I'm really curious what's going what's gonna, to what's gonna happen here in the regionals. Uh, I was trying to get Ben's gauge of things. And, and I, I would tend to agree with him that this team can compete with anyone because they have that kind of fiery spirit. So, so all good things for, uh, for Husker Baseball.
3: Barring a miracle of the last home games of the year for Husker baseball, didn't get a chance to play many of them. Friend of the program, Evan Bland said there's an announced crowd of 5,434 people in Haymarket Park. Not too bad for a Friday afternoon. You'd like to think the weekend games probably more well attended than that, especially tomorrow's game chance to win the series, probably the nicer weather tomorrow uh, compared to Sunday. Looking around the rest of the big 10 Another big series in Bloomington, it's Indiana and Maryland. Both of those teams, to me, along with Nebraska and Michigan, are tournament teams. You'd like to think the committee would see it that way. you think you can get four Big Ten teams in the tournament. But Indiana's been sliding, Tim. We saw last weekend their offense struggled. We know all about how good their pitching is. But you know Nebraska takes two from them. The offense struggles for Indiana against Nebraska and Ohio State. If ever a team was backing into regional play, it's Indiana right now.
2: Yeah, I mean absolutely. And I think that of all the Big 10 teams, um I know Maryland Maryland's up there. They're ranked as well. Um Indiana definitely fall on they're, they're now behind Michigan, I believe, in, in the conference mm-hmm. standings. And and Michigan's been on the on the skid a little bit. So, um yeah, I mean of of all the things that the Big 10 gets a lot of flack uh, as a conference for its baseball performance, but with with Michigan having made the, the College World Series in 2019, and also just think that again, we haven't seen the Huskers stack up against other uh, talent from outside their conference, but I think you can safely assume that having won 30 games uh, in a conference-only schedule uh, and, and on a nine-game win streak, I believe, it, it is, is impressive enough. And, and uh, maybe the, the NCAA uh, may or may not take note. Obviously, Lincoln not selected as one of the regional host sites, which uh, was obviously a bare disappointment for, for Coach Bull, but I think that's, that's more just chalkboard material. And they played, as you mentioned, they played good teams. I mean, Indiana, Ohio State, uh, Michigan now, um, I mean, th- th- these are all quality opponents. They may not be cream of the crop SEC opponents, um, but they're they're still solid programs. And so Nebraska's gonna gonna prove it. And frankly, I think that they have no problem. Uh, they're they're gonna they're
3: gonna they're gonna roll into the regionals um, on fire and, and ready to roll. If ever there was a fifth team going to get into this edition of the NCAA tournament, it would be Iowa, the Hawkeyes, on the road. At Michigan State got a win to keep their chances as good as possible. Purdue hosting a pod with Minnesota and Penn State. Game already been pushed back a couple times, suspended in the third inning, Purdue and Penn State. So those two teams will have to finish that game and then the other couple games of the pod. A lot of squeezing in to do in West Lafayette. Elsewhere in the Big Ten will be Rutgers hosting Illinois and Ohio State hosting Northwestern. While the Big Ten playing the rest of their regular season this week, Conference tournaments elsewhere across the country. Of course, the Big Three—the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC—and Tim, Nebraska doesn't have to worry about it too much. But if you're, you know, Indiana or Maryland or even Iowa, got to watch out for some of those, you know, non-power five, power six conference bid stealers. Who's going to win their conference tournament, steal an automatic bid? Not, not a lot of these Big Ten teams seem like they have much margin for error on the bubble at all. So if you're you know, Indiana, if you're Michigan, if you're Iowa, you really want these favorites to win these these conference tournaments to keep bids out there for you.
2: Well, it's bubble season, SCN, as they say, and this was one of the things uh, that was brought up uh, earlier in the year when Nebraska was still trying to crack that top 25 and they were rallying off those victories. I think a lot of people had the perspective, which is understandable of, you know, who cares about the rankings, you know, let's just Control what you can control, and and that that makes sense from a certain perspective. But your your conference perception certainly matters, and especially when it comes around to seeding and regionals and who's gonna who's on the bubble and who isn't. And so when you're looking at those last few teams out, uh, the perception of the Big Ten conference matters a whole lot. Uh, and now should that be the case? That's a that's a discussion for another time. But all this stuff matters, and I think Nebraska played it perfect by frankly, just taking care of business uh, on the field when they when they had to by weighing it outright. So, yeah, those are the teams. They're going to need some help, and, and they're really, really going to need it given that the Big Ten Conference uh, has not always enjoyed the uh, most stellar perception from the Riders and, and, and elsewhere.
3: From college baseball to the pros, busy weekend in Major League Baseball. We'll start up in the Northeast and work our way around the country. It's the Phillies and the Rays in Tampa Bay. The Rays had their 11-game winning streak snapped in game one of the series with the Kansas City Royals, but it they won the question, next wasn't two. It?
2: 13, I believe, was the, was the number Ben wanted at, uh, in terms of, of uh, winning in a row. So I think, uh, Well, he, he said 11
3: forward. in a row by the All-Star break. Mm, okay. That well, was the question. So some team go. has to get back to that raise, Mark. The Rays up two games in the win column, one game in the standings on Boston, and up two games on New York. That's a heck of a race early on in the AL East. Boston's really come out of nowhere. To be second place in the division they let it for a little bit but Tampa Bay has regained control of it those Red Sox will host Miami this weekend and it's the Yankees at the Tigers. so definitely the easiest series for the number two and three teams in the AL East bottom of the AL East is the Orioles they'll be at the White Sox the most interesting thing about this series the new White Sox City Edition uniforms mostly black they kind of look like the Clippers black uniforms uh, at least to me have you seen those yet Tim? I've not. I'm firing up the Google machine right now, and ooh, the South Side with the pinstripes.
2: You know what? You know what? I think I could learn to like these. Um, you know, they're a bit. I don't want. To, they're unique, uh, different. Um, but yeah, no, you know what? Uh, th- those are those are pretty crisp. I think I think I could. I think I could, uh, I think I could uh, see see myself wearing that. Not that I'm a Sox fan, <laughs> but you're you know. Tony La
3: Russa fan, so you'll wear it to rep <laughs> him, right?
2: I want a La Russa South Side uh, City jersey. Uh, ship that to me now, please. White Sox, if you're listening.
3: Doubt they are, but hey, we'll see if we can get lucky. Elsewhere in the AL Central, my beloved Kansas City Royals, Josh's beloved Minnesota Twins. There's a buy-sell question writing on this. Need the Royals to pull through here. Got Royals got to take four of the seven for my answer of a sell to be correct. Josh, of course, rooting for a buy, wants the Twins to take four out of seven. Twins have nowhere to go but up. They've been playing a little bit better. The Royals have leveled off a little bit big series in the AL Central. Elsewhere in the Central, it's Cleveland hosting Toronto. Moving on to the American League West, it's the Angels at the Athletics and hey, maybe the Angels will be able to take the right bus to a different Bay Area city <laughs> this time. What a saga Shohei that
2: Otani was. got caught out. I mean, can you blame him? The California traffic situation, not that I live in California nor have I visited in, in many years. Uh, uh, I, I feel bad for that man. Uh, had to catch the <laughs> Bart train. Uh, the, I mean, he he did all he could, but was scratched from pitching duties uh, for missing <laughs> missing the pregame pitching warm up. So, uh, r- R.I.P.
3: Sorry, Shohei. That that's a uh, that that's a that's a tough one. So, for those who weren't paying attention, don't know about this story. Shohei Ohtani was scratched from his start. Angels beat writers start wondering what the heck's going on. Ohtani has been injured, so there was some worry that. You know, he was hurt again. Not the case. The Angels say, oh, there was there's an accident on the Bay Bridge. You know, he just didn't get to the stadium in time to get through his full pitching routine. Well, the San Francisco Public Transit Twitter account saw that and said, nope, everything was on schedule. So no accidents or anything affecting this area, this bridge. So the Angels are, you know tail between their legs a little bit and turns out they just took the wrong bus ended up going the wrong direction for a little bit <laughs> got all turned around so Shohei Otani slated to pitch tonight elsewhere in the AL West it's the Rangers on the road at the Mariners they have the team worst batting average in the major leagues under 200 but it's the last AL West team with the biggest series in that division the Astros are hosting the Padres right after they got done hosting the Dodgers Tim you take a look at those American League West standings Houston's climbed back into second place they're five games over 500 right now only a game and a half behind Oakland I wasn't big on Oakland coming into the year I thought Houston was going to be a lot better than they started out but man this is a tough stretch for them series against the Dodgers we know that rivalry from World Series pass and now the Padres big road in front of Houston
2: yeah, well, I, I'd have to go back and consult where my where my prediction was, but I believe I picked the A's to win the West. So right now I'm sitting pretty. No surprise there. Um, a little bit surprised the Angels haven't fared better. I guess Shohei's been hurt. We just talked about his fiasco. Trout's on the DL. With that, yeah. So they're, they're, they've had some injuries, uh, and they're seven games back. So it's it's certainly not over for them, but uh, certainly some ground to make up. But the Athletics, I I, I was fairly certain I picked them to win. The AL West. I'm not going to look it up just because I feel like I, I think that's right. I think I picked them to win it, and I don't <laughs> want to be proven otherwise. So, uh, right now, I'm feeling pretty good about myself.
3: We'll move on to the National League. Uh, the Reds are at the Cubs in an NL Central matchup. Pirates hosting the Rockies and your beloved Cardinals on the road at the Scuffling Diamondbacks. But three absolutely huge series in the National League this weekend. The first one of them is Milwaukee and Washington. Of course, a great national league wild card game not all that long ago man We have heard from lane about all the issues the brewers are having uh with injuries christian yelich learns of kane been on the shelf a little bit uh some pitchers on the shelf as well tim they're looking up at your cardinals three games back how are you feeling about your cards in the central
2: well i feel strongly because again speaking of predictions josh did just confirm i did pick the a's as well as he did uh, to win the A.L.S. I also picked the Cardinals to win the NL Central. It was pure homerism right there. The only team I'm really worried about catching them is, is of course, uh, uh, the Cubs, only a half game back. Uh, the Brewers, I think, uh, uh, you know, they'll, they'll get dusted. So are the Reds, and the Pirates, <laughs> enough said. So uh, the Cardinals, I think I can safely say, it being only the 28th of May, uh, are, are going to close this deal. So uh, knock on wood and all that, but uh, uh, you can put it in stone.
3: Another big series in the National League in the NL East. It's the East leading Mets against the Atlanta Braves. Still a game under 500 this far into the year. Braves and Phillies are tied two and a half games back of New York, but Phillies 25 and 26. Atlanta 24 and 25. Tim, I've been a little underwhelmed by. That whole division so far this year, I thought the Mets would be better. I thought the Phillies would be better. The Braves would be better. Miami's about where I thought they would be, as is Washington. But if Atlanta wants to make a push, this has to be the start of it this weekend against the team in front of that division.
2: Which I'm surprised. I mean, Atlanta, again, I, I was a, well, pretty high on them coming in to the season. Now, that's a, that's a stacked uh, NL East. I mean, the Phillies, the Braves, the Marlins, even the Nationals, I mean, they're all in the hunt right now. The Mets, they might be in first place, but they're not really sitting pretty. Uh, the Phillies and Braves are, are, are right in that mix, so uh, I, I think I think the Braves will get his turnaround. And again, I do believe I picked the Braves to to win the NL East. And so, given how my other predictions are going, I would fully anticipate that to happen. So Gosh. I'm not as comfortable calling that shot as I am with with the Cardinals, but uh, we shall see. I think they'll get there.
3: Then out west, it's a California clash between the Dodgers and the Giants. Dodgers sit a half game back of San Diego in the west right now. San Francisco, one game back of the Dodgers. I think that's the best race right now, Tim. Any three of those teams would be in first place in any division in baseball. Right now. So pretty, pretty clearly the three best teams in the league all in one division. San Francisco's frisky. I don't think a lot of people saw them coming. We anticipated the race between the Dodgers and the Padres. But I hope for entertainment's sake, this three team race keeps going throughout most of the summer.
2: Yeah, I I hope you're right as well. I do think San Francisco will drop off. I don't know if that's just a gut feeling, uh, but because I think Padres and the Dodgers are just a cut above the rest. Ah, uh, but the the Padres again. I, I think I did I did pick them. I believe to win the NL West, and so I'm not surprised uh, that they're in first place right now. Of course, it's only a half game lead. That could that could change tomorrow. <laughs> so, uh, but again, again, I think that that NL West is is extremely stacked. That is one of the strongest uh, divisions I think in in baseball. So, um, yeah, not not super surprised to see that it's tight right now. And 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 as you said, uh, it's certainly a three horse race. But I would fully anticipate the Padres to hang on to this. Uh, but the Dodgers, they're going to be in that mix all year. So uh, definitely going to keep a close eye on the NL West.
3: From the Diamond to the Hardwood NBA playoffs in full swing. We'll start with tomorrow's games. It'll be the Bucks looking to sweep the heat in the day's first game at 1230. The heat humiliated the Bucks in pretty public fashion last year and then fall to the Lakers in the finals. Milwaukee's looked really good through the first three games of the series, Denver stole game from Portland last night. The Nuggets lead the Blazers two to one in that series. Basically, no guards available for Denver, but when you have the presumptive MVP Nikola Jokic, that tends to make life easier. Other Saturday game in the East is Philadelphia at Washington. Of course, that series shifts to Washington now after the instant in Philadelphia, where Russell Westbrook got some popcorn dumped on him. Russ wasn't looking for a snack; he was not very happy with that fan and then the Jazz and the Grizzlies tied up at one game apiece that series now switches to Memphis on Sunday it's the Knicks and the Hawks they sit at 1-1 headed to Atlanta and Tim Trey Young is making himself a villain shushing the crowd after game one Knicks give it back to him by shutting him down in the second half in game two this is your classic defense offense clash and I think the best of the East first round series
2: absolutely and as he deserves I mean that that buzzer beater close to it uh in game one so you know I I think I kind of like that you know you want someone to play the heel and if it's going to be him um I, I'm more than okay with that I, I, I like a little bit of drama especially for me someone who's more of a casual if I could even call myself <laughs> a casual <laughs> NBA fan I, I'm more than fine uh with him turning that on so it's so good for
3: him I'd say elsewhere on Sunday will be the Lakers hosting the Suns for game four not the same series at all without Chris Paul at full speed, of course, hampered by that shoulder injury and his shooting shoulder. The Lakers basically aren't even guarding him right now. That really changes the calculus for Phoenix. Back east, it will beat Brooklyn and Boston from TD Garden. Brooklyn, I think, is my east favorite right now, Tim. I know Philadelphia has been the one pretty much all year, but it's hard to deny the talent of the big three and even a few of those role players that Brooklyn has.
2: Well, we were speaking of villains earlier. I think the whole team, uh, Brooklyn, uh, are villains. And yeah, Brad Stevens, now they're down 2-0. Probably should have taken that uh, fat salary that Indiana offered him <laughs> to, to, to tuck his tail between his legs. So no, I mean, I, I think that, yeah, the Nets, I, I can pretty comfortably say they have this locked up. And you're right. I'm looking at the rest of the field uh, in the East, and, and I don't think anyone really stacks up
3: well against the Nets. So the Nets, yeah, this could be theirs to lose. So we'll we'll see. We'll keep an eye on that as it progresses. The last NBA game on Sunday is out west. It'll be the Clippers and the Mavericks in Dallas. Game three of that series going on tonight with Lucas Mavericks up two to nothing over Kawhi and PG's Clippers. Of course, the Nebraska connection there, Tyron Liu. Man, I really hope the Clippers get it turned around for Ty Liu's sake. This would be a major inflection point for the Clippers. They come in. With the rest situation with Kawhi and Paul George, it looks like they got it all put together, and then they basically forget how to shoot once the playoffs start. That's been the clip's big issues, and I'm not a big hockey guy, but supposedly the NHL playoffs are still happening Uh, tomorrow. You have game six between Toronto and Montreal in the north, then game one of the second round series in the east. will be the New York Islanders and the Boston Bruins. Tim, you're a St. Louis Blues fandom is well known on this program, but I also know you're a Patriots fan. So are the Bruins your your second hockey team behind the Blues, or do you not have a second love?
2: No. I mean heck no, especially not the Bruins. Um I don't think I have a, a second hockey team. I mean the Golden Knights are, are fun as a I mean, they're almost like a Josh uh, throws EA his hands sports, up in
3: despair. <laughs>
2: right. They're like they're like an EA sports create a team franchise. It's kind of what they remind me of. Uh no. I mean I can't I can't confess to have any type of strong enough hockey following to have a second team um, I, I'm no Tampa Bay li- I, know, I do know I dislike the Lightning simply because our own Ben McLaughlin uh, enjoys <laughs> to watch them play so um, no I, I think I can my, my only rooting interest from here on out is rooting against the Avalanche who uh, swept the Blues out of the playoffs and uh, of course rooting against the Lightning as well because there's no, there's no reason why Ben needs to have an extra pep in his step that's, that's, a, that's absurd so uh, no more rooting interests left for me Although I do enjoy a little bit of NHL playoffs, but uh, obviously a bitter, bitter end uh, to the Blues, so I'm still smarting from that.
3: Well, those Colorado Avalanche have the first game on Sunday. They'll take on the winner of tonight's uh, Golden Knights Wild game. That series went to seven games. So you're you're pulling for the Knights. Josh pulling for the Wild. We'll see how that turns out with Game One on Sunday, and then a potential Game Seven between Toronto and. Montreal also potentially in the wings on Sunday. We'll finish it up with the Charles Schwab challenge down in Texas. We had a buy-sell question on this. Greg asked if uh, Phil Mickelson would make the cut or not. Does not look like it's trending that way for old Phil. As of last check, he was four over par. Looks like the cut line will be one over. So that tournament's about halfway through down in Fort Worth, Texas. And that's the weekend there you have it folks everything you could ever want and more
2: well you're forgetting one thing aren't you is the uh the Champions the champions league final chelsea man city what you're not tuning in austin
3: i didn't even know that was a thing i didn't know they had a final <laughs> <laughs>
2: what... uh, that's, that's that's too bad so sad uh austin i mean I, I the whole of the world and brett Whitty will be tuned in to see manchester city and chelsea play Well, so. not
3: the whole of the world i'm not turning my tv on so no
2: not not you not you, most most people but just not just not austin Norman. so well, my anyway but, but but good stuff good job on the uh on the preview um on well, that all uh means we got to take a break when we come back though uh gonna have a discussion about the ncaa transfer portal has it gone too far the answer is yes uh sorry no not no tease but <laughs> i think it has but i'm gonna explain why next IT'S THE SPORTS NIGHTLY WEEK IN REVIEW. FROM MONDAY NIGHT, FORMER NEBRASKA BASEBALL PLAYER JEFF Lisey.
8: WILL'S FIERY. HE'S COMPETITIVE. HE WANTS TO WIN. AND and THAT'S ABSOLUTELY HOW THE GROUP IS. I THINK HE WOULD PROBABLY TELL YOU THAT'S PROBABLY THE TYPE OF KID THEY WANT AND THE TYPE OF KID THEY'RE GOING TO RECRUIT HERE. BUT you, YOU JUST NEVER KNOW. I MEAN, AS A COACH, YOU CAN BE FIERY AND INTENSE AND THAT KIND OF PLAYER. BUT, YOU KNOW, MAYBE YOU DON'T HAVE THE RIGHT MIX, THE RIGHT GROUP. AND, and THAT personality MAY NOT SHOW AT YOUR club. But this team certainly embodies that. I think they have good leadership, and, and they play the game the right way. And, and it, it absolutely is it resembles how Will played as a player.
2: The Nebraska Baseball Show with head coach Will Bold.
8: That's just being a team, just being a team that picked each other up. And, and Kate has been so amazing for us all year. I mean, just been so consistent and been a true ace and just, uh, you know, match pitch for pitch with... Just about everybody that he's gone up against. And and he wasn't at his best uh, on Friday, and it wasn't for the lack of competing or having, you know, I thought his stuff was actually pretty good, the command of the fastball. Um, You look at the walks, uh, it wasn't like he was walking guys, but he was chasing the count a little bit and uh, put him in some tough spots at times. But, you know, credit to our bullpen. They did a a very nice job of of standing up and, um, you know, finding a way to just finish your thing off.
2: Tuesday night. The Nebraska
5: Athletic Director's Show with Bill Moose. What a great story. I mean, the the, the entire story, the uh, weekend story, the Will Bolt story, the um, the Big Ten playing a, a, a non-traditional uh, conference-only schedule. I mean, uh Greg, we had so many distractions in all of our sports programs, and baseball, uh, right in there with the rest of them. And Will and his people figured it out, and a great resolve by a, a, a great bunch of young guys. And here we are, Big Ten champions uh, with a, with uh, one series left to go here at home. I, I'm so proud of them, uh, uh, and we all should be. That that isn't an easy feat, and and we did it, and. And uh, there'll be more. I'm going to tell you. I like the direction we're going in baseball. Mitch Sherman from the
2: Athletic.
8: Will played like a guy who was six foot two, you know, 190 pounds. <laughs> swung a swung a big bat. You know, had had warning track. You know, a home run power. In um, reality, he came in a much smaller package. But it was his uh, his toughness and his attitude that made a huge difference for him. You know, he was he was built like a guy who should be playing Division II ball. And there he was as a captain and a leader right from the start, a leader right from the start. I mean, he was a captain late in his career, but he was definitely a leader right away um, among that class of Huskers who took Nebraska, carried Nebraska to a new level. He came in with guys like Adam Stern and John Cole, who were similar to him and not being real big in stature, but just had a ton of heart. And, and, and willed Nebraska, they wanted it more than the guys that they were playing against almost every night. And you see that with him as a coach for sure.
2: Nebraska track and field coach, Gary Pepin.
1: We thought we had a chance to be battling Iowa for the championship, and, and so we were uh, real disappointed that, that we only ended up fourth. And at the same time, we had eight people in that meet uh, that would have scored high that would have moved us into an easy Second position, but they were either most of them were at the meat and either got hurt at the meat or didn't get to the meat and, and so some of those factors we we couldn't control So I felt like that the, the women did not have a good meet at all. We're gonna have to get a lot better I thought the men were on the right track We just we just weren't quite good enough that day
2: from Wednesday night
6: the Big Ten Blitz. Going to a positive side, I mean, the defense, especially in the secondary, uh, with the changes they made on the coaching staff, with Jim Leonard taking just the safeties and Hank Potee coming in to coach the, the cornerback group, uh, you could see the improvement of both groups, getting that individual attention and getting some more, you know, individual time with each coach and a little more one-on-one time with those coaches. You could see the, the physicality of the line of scrimmage from both positions, uh, their improvement on the ball down the field. There's a lot of stuff in that secondary to be happy about, and I think the the amount of experience they have at both of those spots coming back is, is a big plus for them. So uh, lots of stuff that came out of spring, and I think the Badgers feel pretty good
2: about what they're at right now. Nebraska basketball recruiting coordinator Shannon Lum.
7: I've followed him loosely prior to Nebraska. I've heard of his career. I knew Matt beforehand, so I knew about his career with Matt. Um, but all I've ever heard about is good things about Coach Hoiberg, and it's not even just basketball. Most of the good things I hear about Coach Hoiberg were about him as a person, a family man, um, he's kind, fair, you know, you, you got to get the job done, right, and you have to work, but assuming, you know, you're a good person, there's a great relationship you can have there with Coach Hoiberg, and he's um, kind of read up on his past, he just, the people I've tried to connect with and say, hey, do you know who the he is? And even if you didn't know him, I heard from different GMs and, and other people around the business, hey, like, I don't know him, but I've never heard anything bad about him, and I've kind of heard good things about him from other people so that's kind of like the research I did behind that.
2: Major League Baseball insider Lane Grindle. They're really good they've got
8: great pitching great pitching depth uh, they have very good numbers from a bullpen standpoint uh, they're one of the best bullpens statistically in baseball and they've got a great lineup with a lot of different options in it I mean right now they don't have Trent Grisham they don't have Manny Machado and they just keep on plugging along. They're they're really talented. That NL West is going to be some showdown over the course of this summer between them and the Dodgers. And I know the Giants are in there right now. I, I think they're going to have a hard time keeping pace with those two teams over the course of a full season. But right now the Giants are, are screaming and yelling at all of same. don't forget about us because they keep hanging in there too.
2: Thursday night former Husker, Jeremiah Searles.
6: Some things on offense that I really thought, too, is I love Samari Toure in the slot. I think that he's going to be an absolute mismatch nightmare for some guys that play in the slot there. He's got the experience of playing the outside receiver if we need him to bump out there. But I think he's going to do phenomenal being inside lined up there and do a lot of things with him in the motion game, the jet game. I, I promise you, Scott Frost and co. are looking at him going, man, this, is, this could be a really fun gadget, but also we know he can run routes really well. And then the big one that everyone loved is Omar Manning, right? You get a chance to see him on the field at the end on the side of his helmet, and you can feel his presence when you're down on the field. I was down on the sideline during the game, and he walks by and you're like, yeah, that's an NFL wide receiver right there that has potential to do amazing things here. So those are kind of things that really stand out. And then the one kind of, I wouldn't call it a negative, but thing that really is a question mark going in, is I didn't see a true RB1 for this offense. I think it's going to be a lot of running back by committee, especially early in the year, until you find the guy that can ride the hot hand.
2: All of our guests this week joined us on our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline. Sports Sunday Hotline brought to you by Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience a difference, purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Also, thanks to Josh Hilkman, who put together the week in review as he does each and every week. And when we come back. Don't go anywhere because we're going to have our winners and losers. That's next. Final segment here tonight, this Friday night, before Husker Baseball plays the rest of their series against Michigan over the weekend. And it is now time for our winners and losers. Austin, why don't you start us off?
3: All right. So my winner is the Milwaukee Bucks. They got ousted in the playoffs by the Miami Heat last year, pretty embarrassing fashion, much bigger Goals and what they had this year, they are out for vengeance. They trade out Eric Bledsoe for Drew Holiday and seems to have made a difference so far. The Heat have uh, looked pretty bad thanks to Drew Holiday's efforts. The Bucks lead that series 3 nothing. I know a couple Bucks fans are pretty happy for them looking to put the finishing touches on a sweep or at least a gentleman's sweep this weekend. My loser, the Chicago White Sox team. We talked about their new jerseys. I don't like them all that much. I, I know Nate Rohr doesn't like them because they're new. Um, but also, they renamed a lounge in their stadium. It was called Loretta's Lounge. This Loretta had worked at um, the the White Sox park for 60 years, and they just renamed this section away from this beloved employee that everyone knew by name, knew by face, would come chat to. For Tony Larusa, who not only already had something named after him in the stadium, but has not really endeared himself to Chicago fans at all. So my winner, of the Bucks. My loser, the White Sox.
2: Oh, come on. La Russa can have anything he wants after him.
9: Uh, you know, that's that,
3: that,
2: that's my boy. That <laughs> nah. is
9: my boy. Uh, all right, Josh, who's your, who's your winners and losers? All right, my winner is Cade Povich, the immaculate inning to start the game earlier today against Michigan. So unbelievable effort by that young man. Also went seven strong, didn't give up a run. So he's pitching well, which is what the Oscars need going into the postseason. My loser actually was going to be the same as as Austin the White Sox but I guess I'll have to move on to something else uh I I just stumbled upon this merely seconds ago apparently uh Neymar the one named soccer player who Brett used to be a fan of but now isn't because he moved on from his team uh has called out Nike over a bunch of lies is what he called it so I don't know if I'm calling Neymar my loser or Nike but it sounds like there's a big uh, feud going on there. So I'm gonna I, maybe you know more about it, Tim, being a big soccer guy. But uh, it sounds like one of those two, or maybe both of those uh, two entities are both losers. So I don't know much about it, but I had to I had to adjust on the fly because Austin took my loser. So whoops! I, <laughs> I, I, I right. admire
2: the versatility. I had to adjust on the fly as well. You took my winner, but uh, oh no! One of my winners <laughs> though, Phil Mickelson. Uh, shoot, after shooting a three over at the Charles Schwab Challenge, he. Reply over the well, I won the PGA, so <laughs> it's like well, maybe not exactly a winning mentality, but uh, fair enough. Phil gonna take that victory lap with his uh, win there. Also, uh, my my loser. Uh, we already talked about this earlier in the program, but uh, Shohei Otani. I mean, come on, man. Uh, he tried. <laughs> he was in. Had the had the accident, or rather, was in the bus and and, and was the, the traffic was backed up significantly. Tried to get on the BART train. Uh, that didn't work out and got scratched from the lineup. So. Um, be better uh, Shohei Otani but uh, that is all we have for the week thanks so much for joining us my thanks to Austin Orman for helping me drive the bus here and also for Josh Elkman for producing this one and hope everyone has a great rest of their week